back to a new episode of A Hundred Steps to Drag, the podcast where I, Natasha Hundreds, sit down with your favorite drag artists and ask them everything about their life, career, and how they got to where they are. Baby, I hope your day is going great. Whether you are in your commute, whether you are working on an outfit or some hair or a new mix, whatever you're doing, I hope it's great. And it's about to get even better because my guest today is a legend. I'm not even kidding, girl. She does everything. She is a brunch bitch, a bingo queen, a business babe, a trivia tramp, and she is the nastiest bitch on the state of Colorado. Please welcome Jessica Lahore. Hi, Natasha. Hello, hello, hello. What an intro. Thank you. <laughs> of course. I mean, I did my research and I'm like, she is all those things, <laughs> especially the last one. <laughs> The nastiest bitch is for sure, for sure. Um, how did you come up with with your name? I think I I might have an idea, but I want to hear from you. Yeah, Jessica Lahore. Uh, Jessica really came from Jessica Rabbit from Who Framed Roger Rabbit originally. I like the idea that she came out and everybody was just mesmerized by her curves and she was just like jaw dropping. And then the Lahore part, I was uh, slut shamed a lot in college and very anti-slut shaming. So I wanted to do some kind of play on that to start the conversation about sex positivity and it's okay to be a slut or a whore. And there are other Lahores out in the world, but I took the E off to to be different and I just tell people I'm illiterate. <laughs> no, it looks like French because it's like, it has like a little apostrophe and everything is, it sounds like French Lahore. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Oh my goodness. And you are in Denver, Colorado, right? Yeah, Denver, Colorado. Mm, how is the drag scene over there? I've never been, and I'm always curious to see how the drag scene is in different parts of the states. Yeah, so in Colorado as a whole, like Denver is definitely probably the largest hub for drag, but you have representation in Colorado all over. There's a lot of cities that are an hour or less away that have really prominent drag scenes as well. And there's a little bit of everything. I would say over the course of like the last 10 years, for example, drag has definitely formed to be more accepting and more thriving for different communities and different groups. Uh, there are bars, venues, and spaces that cater to so many different aesthetics of drag. And then you're going to have so many showcases that have just a mixture of a little bit of everything. It's a pretty thriving drag scene. That is good to hear that there's like a good mixture of everything. Because that's what I love personally. I love to like, okay, to know if I go to this bar, I'm getting this kind of gig. If I go to this other, like maybe in a different night, this is going to be the vibe. So it's good that they have that. Absolutely. I think it makes it more fun as well, rather than have the same style or aesthetic of drag all across the board so yeah absolutely is it hard for new performers to start doing drag in Denver I don't think I personally don't think that it is and I think a lot of it comes with mindset and what you're willing to do to put yourself out there I think it goes for any entertainer whether they're new or they're experienced that if you're not willing to reach out or willing to put yourself out there then you're gonna have a hard time breaking into the scene, finding bookings, working pretty consistently. But we're really thankful to have a lot of open stage nights. We have a lot of paid open stage nights around town. So exposure only, you know, random nights of the week, but there's a lot of opportunity for new entertainers to get a foot in the door, to uh, network with other hosts and producers, and also kind of get the opportunities on the stage. I like that the open stage nights are 
paid because over here at least in the la area a lot of the open stage nights are unpaid mm -hmm. they're only tip spots or they're competitions that you only get paid if you actually win so honestly we gotta take notes on that <laughs> we have one and that's just to clarify we have quite a few open stage nights or competitions and i think that that is pretty typical like you said even in your scene that if you're doing one of them you're not necessarily expecting to get paid or if it's a benefit it's a, it's you know you're volunteering your tips and your time but a little over a year ago we started a show in town actually her name is andrea stacks who started it that's a paid open stage night and it kind of changed the game for sure it's hard to get venues on board with that it's not not necessarily the producers it's the the management and the venues that are willing to to help provide the budget to pay yeah sometimes night. it's even hard to find the budget for like a not open station night for like a regular show that part good for you denver <laughs> doing the damn thing leading by example yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh let's talk about you how did you start doing drag i know you've been doing drag for quite quite some time now but how did everything start yeah so i'm gonna be turning 10 years in july Ooh. um um, of those 10 years, seven as a full-time, like it's the only job that I've had, which has been really great. When I talked about earlier, those cities that are about an hour or less away, I started in a Northern city called Fort Collins from Denver which is where I went to college at Colorado State University. Started kind of realizing more of my queer identity, my expressive identity, my sexual identity, and drag kind of played into that. So I came from a place of hating drag and I called it really gross. I called it disgusting. A lot of that was being naive or insecure in my own identity until you kind of get jumped, you jump into it and you realize, wow, this is wonderful. This is great. You can actually be your authentic self. I started with my university drag show, which happens once a semester tried that out and although it was petrifying it was liberating at the same time and I got into a local show in Fort Collins once a month and then I went to once a weekend and then it went to you know a couple times a week and then it came it became a full-time kind of business so I jumped in pretty quickly at the age of 20 I was able to perform in bars under the age of 21 which was nice and definitely have been going and going and going nice. oh my gosh I love that you mentioned you know university shows because those are a great way to like dip your toes into drag and see if you're gonna like it see how you feel about it and you don't have to be 21 to perform in those which is a lot of the mm, or like a big obstacle for a lot of new entertainers right that they're like oh i'm not 21 yet so i cannot go to you know all these venues all these bars which is where drag predominantly happens so university shows great way to get your foot on the door and if your college doesn't have one uh make one Duh. Yeah. Start one. I think that university shows are probably the most loving and accepting shows. I was telling people in my more experienced years that I'm like, if you go and you were to do nothing and just stand on the stage, or if you took a shit on the stage, people would scream and they'd get excited for you. And it would be the most positive and encouraging experience. And no one's going to be judging because they're just there to see you do your best you. Yes. And for a lot of these students, they haven't been to a drag show before because again, a lot of the shows, drag shows happen at bars and they're for the most part not 21 so they will be just excited and very perceptive i love university shows too oh my favorite kind of gig Same, truly so 10 years in the business if you could say one thing that is your main ingredient or key to stay relevant for 10 years what do you think that is i'm not gonna lie i know dedication is such a cliche answer but i look at some of the the give and take over the last 10 years of opportunities to go and party and be a socialite and to uh, skip out on working 
or to not push through the hustle, I guess. I'm a workaholic, so I think a lot of the key to my longevity is the dedication to stay a several steps ahead of what people would expect me to. So whether that is outfit planning, whether that is booking several months in advance, whether that is working on larger projects to be presented in the future, um, waiting until the right moment. I'm somebody that likes to sit on not only content, but um, things that are coming up until it's like the perfect moment to release them instead of being eager to release something that isn't quite finished. And as much as it's really hard to, to work really hard on something and then say, oh, I got to wait to throw it out there. I think a lot of the longevity that I've had is the consistency and how I run my business, my mindset behind my business, and then the dedication behind like working towards what I would like to see as a comfortable future. You are touching on so many good points. I'm like, oh my God, I want to kiss your brain right now i want to okay. like open your hand and just kiss your brains and be like yes <laughs> because you're so spot on first of all dedication and not only in drag but whatever you're doing whatever you're working towards whether it's another form of art whether it's your job your you know corporate job anything it's gonna take dedication it's gonna take wake up in the morning and almost it's gonna sound very cliche too but it's true like breathe eat whatever you're working towards in this case is drag right it's gonna make it so much it's gonna make such a huge difference if you're truly dedicated to that and have your goal in mind and and the other thing that you also said that resonated with me because i i do this mistake all the time mm -hmm. and i just sometimes i rush through my projects and i'm like oh i want to present this like a mix or present this number and i just like rush through it instead of like giving it time to like marinate or like make it perfect or take care of those little details you know and i think that's something that a lot of us artists can learn from and be like okay it doesn't have to be rushed it's better to take the time and to make it as perfect as possible yeah i don't think anything's gonna end up being a hundred percent but i think that there's some kind of gut feeling that i have when it is time to release something or talk about something or put in the work and you're like i can't put any more work into this this is what it is timing i think is so important in this industry. Uh, you can put out new content every single day. You can, you know, try new projects every single week. But I think the timing of how it impacts not only your community, but the perception of how much work you put into it really shows too. Yes, yes. Don't rush through it, honey. Just let it marinate, let it sit for a little bit. Speaking of, of these projects, is there any project that you are maybe the most proud of so far? Or maybe like a handful of them? I know it's yeah. hard to choose, but... Any project that you're like, wow, I did that. Yeah. When I was probably like two or three years into the business, I really wanted to create a statewide award show for nightlife entertainment, queer artists, uh, drag artists, bartenders. It pretty much encompassed a little bit of everything in the scene. I was really inspired by New York's Glam Awards. I think they're on their 20-something year that they've been doing this. And it's pretty much the red carpet event to acknowledge the accomplishments for the last year. And as much as I wanted to do it, I kept trying to think that I needed to lean on other people to do it with. And I couldn't get anybody that was seriously interested or seriously invested in the same idea. And people that I was finding wanted to do it in a more joking, like high school superlative way. And I was like, as much as that sounds really great, I want this to come off as a more serious like process. And we just completed our fourth year, the fourth annual Diva Awards. So I created the Drag Initiative 
Initiative and Variety Awards for Colorado. And we acknowledge the 10 freshest faces of Colorado drag, uh, best bartenders, burlesque entertainers, venues, special accomplishments and highlights. And it's pretty much a huge event where people get to walk on the red carpet, they get dolled up, uh, they get food, they get an after party entertainment. And it's probably my most proud accomplishment to this date that, you know, it took, took a while. I feel like this last year was the first year people were the most receptive to it mentally. As you can imagine, any changing project that comes into any scene is going to have a lot of pushback or a lot of people that just want to see it fail or flop. And that's not really how I run my events. <laughs> uh, I'm still going to do it no matter if you like it or not. And this is probably the, the most successful of the four years that we've done it. I am so gag. I mean, honestly, haters are going to hate, but you can leave them hate, honey. That is fine. There's always yeah, going right? to be there <laughs> commenting like, oh, or just like giving you the bad vibes, but... Yeah, they're like, I'm not going to come. And I'm like, okay, then don't come. <laughs> yeah. That's okay. Like, that's fine, girl. We don't need you. <laughs> the Diva Awards. I love the name. I love the concept of it all. Oh, my goodness. How do people get nominated for these awards? Do communities submit them or is are they curated? Yeah, so I usually do about two, two and a half months before the year ends. I'll ask for people to submit nominations. And pretty much anybody is allowed to nominate any single person. Nomination lists can go from just like three or five people or events to, you know, 20 to 50 different people. And so that's like the first round. Just submit people that you think are applicable for this award. The idea is that nobody's left out, that people are thought of. And then the second round is narrowing down everybody that was nominated to like the top 10 nominations in that category. So now that we've seen everybody that's applicable, it's time to vote and see. And this is on, uh, there's a Colorado Divas website. There's a Facebook group as well for the Colorado Divas. And then it gets down to the top 10. And then we announce the winners at the actual show. That is so fun. It's like the Oscars. (laughs) it's really it's really cool probably the only event throughout the year that you see everybody from different corners of the state to different venues um even people that don't really care for each other under one roof you see a big large group of of people that are under one roof for several hours that never get the opportunity to be in one. It's really, it's really powerful. It's really cool. I need to travel to the next Diva Awards. So let me know. I'll book a trip. I'll be like, please come. It's going to be the last one I produce. I'm ready to hand it over. I'm over it. <laughs> I am sure, girl, because I mean, booking the venue, finding the talent, the voting, uh, a coordinating the event. Oh my God. I can only imagine. <laughs> that is so, so cool. I have so many questions about the diva award during the pandemic did you still hold them virtually or did you take a break no we did not do a diva awards in we did a diva awards the month and a half before we all shut down so that was the third or the second annual no third annual third second annual I don't know. We did one before they all shut down in 2020 and then in 2021 it did not make sense in my head to do one because we were all shut down. Like, who are you gonna award? The people that just survived and barely could hang on. And then the following year, we did an in-person Diva Awards, but it was super limited. 
for the same reason. So we had very minimal awards. It was a very small celebration. And the idea was to to keep it going. And this is the first year that it was actually like back in full force. I'm so excited to see this this upcoming year. I cannot wait, truly. Is it streamed somewhere or is it just like live? We're going to have to stream it this next year, but it was live last year. Oh my God. And do you give away like actual little statutes? <laughs> or like little yeah. awards. Yeah, we spend quite a bit of money on some really nice plaques and crystal awards and medals and certificates. And uh, I get some of the venues to donate prize money to some of the, the winners. And some of them get uh, show opportunities. Uh, they get features in local publications. So try to give them the best exposure for winning what they win. That is Honestly, amazing. Girl, a round of applause, please, to you and to everyone involved in the Diva Awards, because that is such a beautiful event to just bring community together, to give the spotlight to people who deserve it. And oh, I'm obsessed with it. I'll link the website to the Diva Awards in the show notes. So y'all need to check this out, please. Please really cool and it's a lot of fun we'll have to bring you out here for the next one i'm so down (laughs) (laughs) and the last thing about the diva awards if you could say something to whoever will be taking over for you to prepare them for all the work that is coordinating an event like this what would you tell them um i'd give them two pieces of advice the first one would be to realistically look at the impact that the event is having and i i mean that in the sense of why are you having these awards? How are how are people being impacted from from different corners and being represented in different categories and making sure that it is a positive experience to the best of your ability? And then the second one is to completely separate yourself, your mind entirely from being unbiased. Like your role is just a moderator for this event and that you need to keep things consistent and transparent across the board. I get a lot of heat and I have for many years for being unfair and rigging the event and picking my favorites and changing the votes or whatever it is. And one thing I'm proud of, regardless of me having to explain it over and over and over again, is that uh, from day one, it has been consistently unbiased what you see is what has been the results without any tampering any influence any changes and i think that's really important for the validity of any award show or competition yes transparency it's it's so important yeah because a lot of drag competitions are the same right whenever someone's eliminated there's like this talk of like oh no that wasn't unfair or like that's the judge's favorite or whatever so being transparent is great uh and our local drag competition that is still going on they use like a like a sound measurement i don't know they have a name but they measure the sound for the applause yes Yes, and it gives you like a number. So it's like if any girl is like, "Oh, that was unfair," I'm like, "This is the the that your number, and this is the other girl's number." Like, and they even pull someone from the audience, someone like completely random, to like help him like see like the actual number and validate that. Yeah. So I think that was pretty cool. I actually like that a lot. Maybe I'll use that in the future. Okay. Speaking of big things, you broke a Guinness record for the world's largest drag brunch. Yeah. How was that? Oh, that was really cool. It was a a team of four of us and I was 
in charge of the entertainment and structure for the brunch show from my team there was and I hosted co-hosted part of it as well and then the other team was in charge of the venue and logistics for the food itself but we brought somebody out from Guinness they recorded how many people showed up which I think was slightly over 340 something people and uh, it was intense it was wild but really cool really cool thing to just have on on the resume i wish that that event it was for a larger event called denver drag days which we tested out and as much as there was a huge passion to keep it going there was a lot of divisiveness in the community the years following and it just didn't happen again but the event overall was really cool and the brunch itself was really awesome it sounds really cool when i saw it on your website i'm like okay guinness world record that is so so fun yeah i mean technically there was a larger brunch in minnesota that was larger than I think 370 people. I got a nasty message from one of the coordinators and I said, all I know is that you all did not invite Guinness to record it. So I can acknowledge the fact that you probably had more, but all I know is that we invited the team to actually record us winning the the title for that. And I'm not trying to take it from you, but you need to have somebody there for them to, to count that. Otherwise, sorry about it. Yeah, <laughs> speaking of validity, right? Like, um, how are you counting? this ma'am uh, yes that is super cool looking back at it is there anything that you would have done differently oh man there's so many things i would have done differently the amount of time to get people in the building and situated differently that's a huge one um logistically with the way that the show was set up it was not optimal i'm a big believer as a producer that if you are an audience member you should have in any space that you're choosing to sit at least some kind of view of the stage and the performers and in that particular setting it was not optimal for people to enjoy the show as much as they could have um, so I would have changed structurally a couple of things but the entertainment was amazing the food was really great and people had a really good time overall I believe that I mean I was looking at some clips and I'm like yes this is a party uh-huh. Uh, it was pretty big. All right, let's talk about your alter ego. Cause I know that you also go by Miss Jessica whenever you are engaging with LGBT youth. So how did that start? It? Yeah, uh, I've always done all ages events and different kinds of all ages events for a while. Miss Jessica blossomed pretty heavily in October of 2018. I went to a school, Rocky Top Middle School, and uh, did a career day. Uh, they brought in different professions to come and talk about their careers and how literacy helped their careers. So how did going to school, how did reading help them get to where they wanted to go? And uh, two parents flipped out, two mothers flipped out and caused a huge uproar and mind you these parents did not have kids at this school they had kids at other schools but they were so disturbed that there was a drag queen in the building and i of course went by miss jessica i did not dress inappropriately or anything like that um and it blew up so bad it made international news like rush limbaugh 
talked about me on his podcast being a axe murderer, compared me to being an axe murderer and a pedophile and all these terrible things. It went to every news source. I got to interview on local news stations when that was all happening. But it was kind of a push to do more with Miss Jessica. So Miss Jessica actually started, which is no longer the Miss Jessica Foundation, started a nonprofit and raised money for individuals that were going through financial stress in Colorado. I started more actively providing the all ages drag show, which ended up being like the largest all ages show in the state. We had about 400 attendees and kids of all ages and all abilities and backgrounds come and perform and experience what it would be like to perform on the stage. It, it kind of skyrocketed more drag queen story times and going into schools and talking to GSAs, going to our local, uh, we call it the center on Colfax, which is a group that offers so many different resources, but one of them being for queer youth um, that need like after school program kind of thing. I'm so thankful for that. Like it was pretty terrible at the time because it was a lot, but it was it was the birth of something much larger. No, I mean, they say everything happens for a reason. So you did amazing, though. I mean, I think you took all the negativity from that and turned it into something positive, raising funds creating a scholarship. And it's so funny that it also relates to a lot of the hatred that our community is receiving nowadays with all the drag bans, with the anti-LGBT law. So, I mean, you received all these nasty comments. How did you deal with that? Because they can be a lot, especially for people that are not used to receiving them online. I'm like, whatever, I, I don't mind them. But I know there's a lot of my friends that are like, oh man, like I can just, I cannot read these these comments. Yeah, I'm really good at compartmentalizing. Like you said, I don't really, I'm not really triggered or bothered by nasty comments. I'm more bothered by nasty comments from people that I would consider my friends or my sisters or my family or uh, drag colleagues that I don't have beef with. And then I read a nasty comment. That's when it kind of gets to me because it seems real fake as fuck. Um, but random people that would like to pinpoint me as being some type of way or categorize me as being a terrible person or say how ugly I am or whatever, those things don't really bother me. Most of the time, I'm never going to see them in, in to my, they're never going to say it to my face. I'm never going to be in a position where I need to address them face to face, which I would. Um, but I don't really, I'm not bothered. I actually am somebody that saves and highlights the mean comments so I can put them in a YouTube video of Jessica reading mean comments. That's <laughs> that's where I go from there. So if y'all have mean comments, <laughs> just kidding. No, don't do that. Just end this Left. We'll read them out. I should do that. I should do a section with all the mean comments that all these bigots leave on my stuff. All the time. And the thing is, these it's kind of like this Bud Light thing. People are dumping out their beer and, and throwing it out. And I'm like, one, you already paid for it. And two, they've been supporting queer people for forever. So every time you comment something on my page, it provides me more traction. My video goes a little bit more viral. Sometimes per comment, I get paid per comment, even if it is nasty. I, I don't think you realize that your comment isn't really impacting anything. Blank profile number 237-7642. <laughs> five eight nine like thank you for your nasty comment about calling me a man because ooh, you got me ooh, guess what girl. i am a man Duh. <laughs> yeah, right? so yeah i'm not too bothered by things like that it only usually bothers me more when it comes from people that 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 experience isn't like that with that 
Yeah, I agree because the comments from like other either queer people or even drag artists that are nasty, those get me a little bit more because I'm like, girl, we're in this together or at least we're supposed to be on this together. Well, I just saw you two days ago and we were cool as hell. So where is this coming from? (laughs) I know. I'm like, uh, you could have just said that to my face. Like I saw you at the gig Tuesday. Uh What happened? Yeah. Fine then when you were borrowing my hairspray, but now you got a problem. I hate it. Like one of the most recent ones on my videos, I think, you know, like on my TikTok, I always post advice and I try to do the trends too, because those get a little more views. So I did a trend. I think the one that's like the light my queen when it's like, light my queen. That's like the little car screaming on the side. And it said something like, oh, people me rooting for the people that follow my advice or something like that. But it was something alluding that I give advice for drag performers and some drag queens said like oh the blind leading the blind and i'm like girl what excuse me (laughs) i'm like yeah and then go to her page and i'm like obviously not very well put together but i'm like girl you could use some of that advice too what are you talking about everyone is out here doing the same shit i don't get it sometimes it's wild it's wild so if you're queer uh save those comments to yourself (laughs) oh my gosh now let's talk about jessica jess talks that is your newest baby, if I'm not wrong, right? It is. I started, uh, I technically started filming them last August, but didn't actually launch the podcast until January of this year. And for the people that is not familiar with Jess Talks, what is it? Jess Talks are uh, pretty much similar to like the TED Talk aspect where they're getting longer and longer, but they're a segment of on some kind of topic ranging from life values, morals, and philosophies, things that I live by on the daily, to drag things that have helped me live on the daily, to silly concepts and conversation. Pretty much we'll do a brainstorming session, me and my little production team, and say, what do we think would be a good mixture of, of those things that I mentioned? What are some things that are personal to me? Some things that I think that'll impact others? What are some drag-oriented pieces? And then what are some silly ideas uh, to chat about and give people a different perspective of or why it is impacting my life or how it has influenced me on the daily to become more realized human, whatever it may be, but anywhere from eight to 30 minute episodes. Currently solo, we're going to move into doing uh, guests here in a little bit, but on things that I'm passionate about or that I feel certain ways about really what it comes down to. I love it. No, they are really good. I've been listening to them all. And my favorite so far, because you also provide great advice, which is like right up my alley too, is in one of these episodes, you said, don't make, as a drag performer, don't make money the center focus of your performances. Don't. And it's so true. Because when you're giving it your all, when you're enjoying it and presenting something valuable, for lack of a better word, the money will come to you. Even if you don't move out of the stage, I've seen performers just like stay in one spot on the stage and serve it all. And they literally throw money at them. So don't make money your, your focal point. No, and the thing is like, I don't want that to ignore people that are going through financial stress because I've been in that position where I am not able to afford food. I'm not able to afford my rent. I'm not able to buy new things, let alone keep up with bills. I'm financially struggling. And the idea of seeing somebody hold a dollar to me means that I might actually be able to eat that evening or something like that. And I know that restraint is really difficult. I think the the more you create numbers where you almost expect 
you never know when like people just will not tip in the same capacity or if people are going to tip very well or if you're on a stage that doesn't allow people to come up and tip you and the i think that if you have a larger game plan or a storyline that you end up finding you'll make more money in the long run and to build a better rapport with your audience your fandom and with venues because they're seeing you put on a show nothing irks me more maybe this is a bitter old lady thing being in the biz but i really struggle with watching entertainers the back of their head and the only time that they move is when they're looking for the next person to hold a dollar bill up and their their performance is walking around and they look lost they look confused until somebody holds up the next dollar and maybe you know i'm not lying has that ever happened to me yes but i've worked really hard the last you know six years to create numbers that didn't allow me to do that and i can put on the show itself yes a thousand percent because i feel like that also happens well don't get me wrong. I've seen a lot of seasoned performers do that. Have like a, okay, who's next? Who's going to tip me next? But starting, you know, I mean, I think that happened to me when I was starting. I was like, okay, I was so excited that I was actually making money with drag that that it's inevitable. And again, especially if you're going through food insecurity or you're struggling to make ends meet, it, it can happen. But as you continue to develop your performances, your concepts, money will come on its own. So y'all, you can hear a lot more of this on Just Talks. You you do not want to miss that. Truly a hoot, honey. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, Jessica, I wasn't lying when I told y'all she's a legend. She's done so much, but I want to know what is next for you? What are some of your goals for drag? Maybe some of the short-term goals for the next 12 months, maybe? And your ultimate goal in drag, what would be your, your epitome of drag? Yeah. Um, so I'm kind of at the end of, I started when I was 27, I started a technically a four year goal mindset. And so I'm about to turn 30 this year in May. And I gave myself the goal until the end of my 30th birthday. So before I turned 31 to kind of keep this hustle to to catch a big break. And there have been a couple of things that have really helped along that way. So about, I think it was two weeks ago, I actually signed out of drag with a talent agency in Colorado to help with voiceover work, modeling, film, uh, TV things, and photography work. So I'm really stoked about what that journey is gonna bring. And Jessica's kind of like a bonus to that, but it's really about my out of drag self. With the with drag and, it, and what I'm doing, I have been putting off a lot of, like I said, until it's the right time with how the world is functioning. I was in the middle of touring. I was in the middle of a 52 city tour before COVID hit. And then it hit, I had to stop that. Sorry, not 52, 32. That was completely different. 32 city. Um, and I want to bring back a, a tour to be able to do that across the country at the beginning of next year. Also been working on a competition locally in Colorado that is a $15,000 prize package. So my idea is that we have a ton of competitions that cater to newer entertainers, up and coming entertainers, and usually the people behind the judging panel are the more seasoned, more experienced entertainers. And I want to create a competition that is so intriguing to the seasoned entertainers that it's the best of the best competing. And uh, reach out to some celebrity guest judges, get some really great local prizes, but it would be a 10 
$10,000 cash prize, $5,000 in travel expenses and uh, marketing expenses to help and grow that person to the next level. Um, so that has been my next thing. 2024 will be the year of the merge. The last three and a half years, I've had so many different designs made for different concepts of merge uh, that I'm really ready to release and put out into the world. And uh, hopefully this fall, I went to Portland back in 2018 or 2017 and wrote and produced a song in Portland. And so I'd really like to record the music video this fall to release in 2024. Wow. Okay. So I thought you were doing it all, but there's so much more still in store for you. Oh my goodness. Starting with that competition, I know that's going to be fierce because you're right. A lot of the times these competitions are tailored for like up and coming artists, but I've seen a couple, especially in West Hollywood, when they're like, okay, this is like, you know, more for seasoned performers. And the the concepts that they bring are just mind blowing. So I know that is just going to be a hit as well. I, we've kind of, I put it off a couple of, for a little bit, but I, like I said, I won't release it until every detail is, is figured out and all my ducks are in a row, I guess. But I'm really excited about making, my, about making that happen. Going back to the beginning, making sure every detail is good, you know, not rushing through it. Oh, I love it. A good for a Silka moment. <laughs> and also, you know, I'm excited for your out of drag moment too with the agency and everything because y'all don't know this yet, or maybe you do, but Jessica is also a very sexy gentleman out of drag. <laughs> So I know that is going to go fantastic for you. <laughs> We're hoping. Here's hey, hoping. It's all about manifesting. So I know it is. I know it is. I believe it too. But I guess if we're looking at like the end goal, I, I don't know how accurate this will be, but I always told myself by the end of my 30, 30th birthday, so before I turned 31, that if I did not happen to have a big break in some kind of industry or some kind of life-changing thing for the amount of work that I put in, that I would probably retire from drag. It happens. I mean, you have to take care of yourself as well because drag is so much work compared to a lot of other professions, even like, like you said, like modeling and uh, and acting or recording. Drag is, is so much more because I've said it before and I'll say it again. You are your own ever everything you are sometimes your own producer your own hair makeup your own costume it and it takes such a big toll on your body everything yeah so honestly whatever happens whatever comes your way i know it's going to be the best for you yeah i'm excited I, and i'm like you said manifestation um staying motivated and uh if it gets to that point saying you know you did everything that you could have and you worked as hard as you could have and maybe this isn't the right outlet and it's time to kind of reevaluate that but everything has been slowly falling into place in the best ways and um, we will see where that takes takes life but never giving up my favorite phrase no one can say a bitch didn't try uh-huh <laughs> I live by that. I live by that. Even at the end of the day, no one can say it didn't give it my all. Mm -hmm. I completely agree with that. Love it. Jessica, before we start wrapping up the episode, I am piloting this quick little new section, which is called the Drag Tip of the Week, where I ask my guests one thing that they would like to say for a new and up and coming artist. So I know there's plenty of tips that you have, but if you could share one for someone that is looking to start drag, what would that be? Hmm. 
Um, you know, my, my go-to is that if you're looking to start drag, I'm gonna give you two, I know you said one, but I'm gonna give you two in different contexts. If you're looking to start drag, I think that the longer that you wait to start drag, the longer you wait to figure yourself out. Um, a lot of entertainers are worried about being perfect or not knowing where to start or what to do. And sometimes it's as easy as starting with a YouTube video, some makeup and putting yourself out there no matter what you look like. Um, the longer you wait, like any other hobby, sport, um, passion about practicing it and getting better at it and just jumping into it, um, it's just wasted time of you not getting to that point. Um, the other tip that I would give is after you start doing drag, um, really in your heart of hearts, work towards finding consistency with, with how you represent yourself. Never put yourself in a position where you need to feel or act a certain way to appease the people around you, but find consistency and authenticity in not only your brand, but how you speak, how you hold yourself, how you interact with your friends versus your sisters versus your coworkers versus your acquaintances, and not to be afraid to to have some of those those boundaries and compartmentalization pieces. I think that you'll find a lot of success when you're honest and consistent with everybody, and you're not doing or saying things to appease the greater masses or to find acceptance. <laughs> Very important. Oh, also, just Very don't be important. A you know, especially all of them, all three of them, especially the last. <laughs> one because uh, yes do it now don't wait be authentic and don't be a cunt <laughs> don't be a cunt you have to realize everyone's working towards the same things in the long run uh, when things boil down to it they don't really matter as much as you think um, and hurting somebody else for any reason or just being a cunt for the sake of being a cunt or rude or disrespectful isn't really going that to part. positively impact I know that girls on Drag Race are cunty all the time, but that is not how drag works in the real world, okay? <laughs> Jessica, you've been such Thanks a delight to talk to. I, I... No, of yeah, course. Thank you for being Natasha, my guest. I'm truly, truly me. honored. Please tell everyone where they can find you on social media and live shows, anything you want to plug. Yeah, I post my schedule uh, at the beginning of every month. You can catch it on jessicalahore.com and on Instagram, Twitter, YouTube, Jess Talks, on my podcast, Facebook, TikTok, pretty much anywhere you search just wherever you, you search this war, you'll find her honey. Trust me. <laughs> oh my god. Well, everyone, that was our time for today. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with your friends or give us a five-star review. Otherwise, we'll see you next time. Bye. <laughs> Oh my gosh. Um, Thank you so much, girl. That was so, so much fun. Yeah, thank you.